This episode of the Upper Discussion Podcast is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Launched in Kelowna, BC, and now expanding to Montreal, Whiskey Lane is on a mission to share their obsession with quality food and drinks with growing audiences by keeping the best local flavors on their minds and on their tongues. No matter what your business needs to grow, Whiskey Lane knows how to make it happen. Whiskey Lane, bringing long lines to the producers of specialty food and drinks. Go to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And that's whiskey, the Canadian way, without an E. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you are listening to episode 295 of Up for Discussion, a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Every week, we tackle a different ingredient, dish, or style of cuisine, sharing our favorite recipes and learning from our wonderful guests. Today, we're talking all about pickling. Not just pickles, pickling, and canning, and the whole idea of preserving food. Uh, Before we dig in, I do want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset um when we're you know doing an episode today all about preserving food for a really long time i think it's important to think about preserving culture as well uh this is something that we talk about on the show every once in a while this idea of like you know north american food culture not existing in the same way that a lot of other countries have their long-standing food cultures exist because you know a couple hundred years ago a bunch of white people came over and kind of raised everything and haven't really made it easy for indigenous people's food to be the sort of center of our culture. Uh, So as we are thinking today about preserving food, I would like to encourage you to think about the food and the food culture that is native to where you live and ways that that can be preserved, you know, as a part of your home's culture going forward. All right, let's get into it. Today we are talking all about pickling. Now pickling is a verb that refers to the process of preserving an item of food in a brine or a vinegar, usually a vegetable or fruit, usually with some kind of antimicrobial herbs and spices thrown in. This can be done for the purpose of extending its shelf life for sure, but it's also often done as a way of enhancing flavor and textures. People have been pickling things for thousands of years, with archaeological records showing pickled Indian cucumbers from as early as 2030 BCE. Now, if you're anything like me, your childhood was spent eating a lot of pickled cucumbers or gherkins, like the ever-popular kosher dill, a Hungarian pickled cucumber salad that my family makes, or, you know, sweet bread and butter pickles common to a good cheeseburger. Or if you're like me, maybe as a kid you hated to have pickles on your cheeseburger despite loving them everywhere else, and you always got mad when Burger King messed your order up. Either way, pickles are an ever-present part of life. But the cucumbers are really just the tip of the iceberg. Things like mangoes, carrots, dates, cauliflower, onions, the the list goes on and on. 
Now, one of my Patreon supporters, Erica, over at patreon.com slash up for discussion, sent me a message last month asking that we do an episode about pickling. And despite being a huge fan of pickles, I know kind of next to nothing about the process behind them. So today, to learn, I have brought in an expert. Tamika Jemian is a recipe developer, a chef, a culinary consultant for the Ball brand, you know, the people who make jars and cans, and so much more. She currently owns and operates Unity Kitchen in Unity, Maine, where she serves up loads of gluten-free and vegan options, prioritizing locally sourced ingredients, and of course, she's the author of Pickle to Please, a cookbook of creative mix and match recipes for pickled vegetables and fruits. Tamika, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. So let's dive right into it. How did you get into writing recipes about pickling and canning? So I was a chef and um, I did primarily a lot of baking and I was baking professionally. Then I was diagnosed with celiac disease and realized that, you know, my baking life was going to be very limited. So I decided that uh, I wanted to learn how to can and maybe start a jam business using local fruits. At the time I was living in New York, which, you know, fruit season in New York is also pretty short. But I went um, and I went to uh, our local cooperative extension, which we have in the States, and I learned to can and became a master food preserver. And I did start my my farmer's market jam business. And I also started doing a lot of gluten-free baking. Uh, And then I realized that, like, I had a really deep passion for this. But also, historically, my grandparents pickled. Uh, My mimi and pipi, they pickled, you know, their fruits from their tree. They pickled, they brined olives from their tree. They pickled cucumbers and anything that grandpa grew in the garden. So I experienced this growing up. Um, and I, I, I didn't know that I had a deep passion for it until I started to really like jump into the whole process of it. So I am, uh, you know, and I'm now I'm, I've taught canning through Ball and through Ogden Publishing, which is the Mother Earth News and Mother Earth News Fair. And uh, I've just been doing this for the last, uh, steadily for the last eight years. That's kind of amazing. Uh, I think there's something really fun about having something that's kind of in your family heritage that you're then able to sort of, you know, find a passion for and turn into a career, you know? There's there's something really exciting about that. Yeah, well, the baking passion also came from my pipi from Grandpa. So uh, he was a baker in France. And so I, I really learned that at his knee and developed that passion there. But I didn't realize their influence ran uh, a little bit deeper than that. <laughs> I mean, really to all food. That's why I'm in the food world in, at all. But yeah, developing preserved recipes was really my jam, so to speak. Come uh, cheek. Yeah, um, I love doing it. I don't. I have to admit to not eating a lot of pickles after writing this book, Pickled to Please. I'm really no longer uh, really into pickles. <laughs> I really like pickled jalapenos right now. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a, yeah, I ate a lot of pickles the last two years. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> what would be sort of the first step to coming up with a new recipe for something to pickle? So first of all, this conversation is being listened to broadly by people who may be beginners. And I don't want to give the wrong impression that beginners can develop their own pickling recipes. Right. There's a certain, right. So there's a certain method. You first, you need to know the science. And um, that is actually why I wrote pickled to please, because it's got the science of pickling and then it's like mix and match primes, right? So that if you want to be creative with your spices and your seasonings, as long as you're following a really solid brine recipe, you can do that. But there's, so developing a recipe, like for me, um, as a professional recipe developer, it always starts with 
a culture. It starts with a flavor. It starts with, you know, I like Mexican oregano. What can I use that in? Because it tastes very different from other oregano. Mm -hmm. I like, you know, Middle Eastern spices. I have a dish of mashed potatoes and mashed carrots with Middle Eastern spices. And how can I turn that into a pickle? So it goes into these, you know, this is how my brain works, honestly. And then I do a lot of research. But again, I've been doing so much research for so many years that that process comes easy to me now. Sure, yeah. But for anyone who is a beginner, I want them first and foremost to follow a really trusted recipe, like anything that you might get on the um, Fresh Preserving, which is the ball brand website, Mm -hmm. or on uh, Bernardine. The Bernardine website is in Canada. That's also owned by ball. So it's the same (laughs) It's the same company and it's a lot of the same recipes except for some cultural variances. But yeah, that's, that's just what I want to say about that. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's worth beginners mentioning. Not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beginners shouldn't develop their own recipes, honestly. <laughs> um, also, you know, Marissa McClellan from Food and Jars has a lot of fabulous solid recipes that her books are great and her website is great, Food and Jars. So that's another one. So like I kind of said at the top of the show, I have never personally experimented with canning or pickling. The closest I get is um, there's like a Hungarian quick pickle salad that my family makes that's uh, really you just kind of thinly slice cucumber and then soak it in vinegar and salt for like half an hour before you eat it. Yeah. Super straightforward, really tasty, nowhere near the caliber of thing that is in any of these recipe books. Um, so I don't really understand, like, maybe you can get into this a little bit. What is the sort of science behind that? So the science behind pickling is is to add vinegar to a food that's low acid, making it safe to consume for a very long time. So historically, foods were um, put in salt that helped preserve them. It drew moisture out and it helped preserve them. But once People discovered that wine could turn into vinegar. Once people discovered vinegar, uh, wine or apple cider or beer or alcohol, you know, anything. Once they, once people discovered vinegar, they discovered that vinegar could preserve a food without taking all the moisture out, essentially without completely dehydrating it, which salt will do. So you, you, you're adding a high acid, which is vinegar, to a low acid food, which is any vegetable. So all vegetables, even tomatoes, are very are pretty low on the on the acid scale. It's hard for me to explain. I'm more visual with it, but fruits like apples are pretty high in acid, and citrus fruits, lemons, are high in acid. And then you kind of move down the scale to peaches and plums. They're all higher in acid than tomatoes. Once you hit the realm of what could be considered a vegetable or what is a vegetable. I mean, tomatoes essentially are fruits, but once you can, once you get to down to tomatoes and then into vegetables, um, they're all low acid. Interesting. And tomatoes, it's, I think it's important to talk about tomatoes because people will just water bath can them, which is fine. But more, a lot of heirloom tomatoes are actually just in the iffy range, and it's a good idea to add a little acid to them. And then, but green tomatoes also make like a great salsa verde. So you want to use, you know, not just tomatillos but green tomatoes and they're they're also low in acid so it's important to add add acid to them so that's that's the way of preserving you're adding acid you're adding salt and then you can preserve them for a very long period of time 
I wouldn't have thought that adding acid to something would inherently preserve it longer. If we look at like citrus fruits, are those do those typically have a longer shelf life than like a vegetable with a lower amount of acid in it, or is it kind of comparable at that point? I think well, citrus definitely lasts longer refrigerated than a lot of vegetables. Okay. For sure, for certain, as long as they're kept refrigerated. Right. Uh, so if you were to put cucumbers in the refrigerator and lemons in the refrigerator, it, you'll notice which ones degrade first. The, the point of pres- you're preserving it, it's not that you're preserving a food to keep its nutrients. You're keeping it from degrading any further. Hmm. So when we make jam, we're adding sugar to fruit and we're keeping it from degrading any further. So everything has, I like to liken it to humans. We all have an aging process. Sure. <laughs> Luckily, our aging process is not quite as quick as a fruit or a vegetable. So we all have an aging process. And humans, you know, we have collagen and we have connective tissue. And so do fruits and vegetables. They huh. have connective tissue. And so when, for example, when you're drawing the pectin out, I know this is kind of off pickling, but when you're drawing the pectin out of fruit to help them set and make a jam or a jelly, your the pectin is their connective tissue. Once you pick a fruit, it starts its aging process. The same with a vegetable. Once it's harvested, it starts its aging process. Or if it's left on a vine for too long, it starts a staging process. Sure, right? yeah. There's a spot for cucumbers. Anybody who's grown cucumbers and zucchini knows this. But you're, the pectin is really like, it's like the connective tissue. It's like the, the you know, youth of the fruit or the vegetable. And then it starts to degrade. <laughs> so with jam, we add sugar. Or, or we add additional pectin. If people do make low-sugar jams or no-sugar jams by adding pectin, like Pomona's pectin, mm-hmm. and then that will that will thicken it. But those jams don't last as long as if you add sugar, which helps preserve the pectin in the fruit. It's very interesting. Yeah. So vinegar pickling, you're preserving the food, and your pickles will last years and years and years and years. I mean, I wouldn't open an antique, you know, ball and ring jar, wire bale jar, I wouldn't open those and eat pickles, but your pickles will last years. The nutrients will degrade and the color will degrade, but they'll be safe as long as the jar is still properly sealed. And if anybody is canning, they know what that means. Right. That's fascinating. Yeah, really fascinating. <laughs> this is why I love doing it. <laughs> I don't want to eat any more pickles, but it's fascinating. <laughs> If you're enjoying this episode so far, I'd like to invite you to consider supporting the show on Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that lets creators like me work directly with their audiences to produce the best possible content without breaking the bank. Just like my patron Erica, who requested this episode, by donating even as little as a dollar, you can request a topic for a future episode of the show. It can be anything food-related that you want. You got a favorite ingredient? You got a favorite dish? You want to hear me and some special guests talk about it for, you know, upwards of half an hour? This is your chance. Go to patreon.com slash up for discussion and pledge as little as a dollar. The reality is this is my full-time job. (laughs) Not this show specifically. I have a couple other projects in the works and I do a lot of freelance work for people, but podcasting generally is my full-time job and uh, it 
would be a lot easier to do it if I had more money coming in. So if you want me to be able to put as much time and effort into this specific show as possible, the best way to do that and the best way to guarantee that I have time to do research and book cool guests and edit the heck out of these things is by pledging at patreon.com slash up for discussion. If, of course, you don't have any money that you want to pledge to this, that's totally fine. I completely understand. You're still more than welcome to listen to and engage with the show. I love knowing that people are out there enjoying it. If you want to support me for free, the best way to do that is by sharing this episode with a friend who might be interested in it, or by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice, but especially on Apple Podcasts. It takes like two minutes. It's a really good way to help the show grow, and it doesn't cost you a penny. Okay, that's enough for me. Let's get back to my interview with Tamika. Okay, if you were to talk to yourself 10 years ago, right, before getting into this, and list off a bunch of recipes that you've created and things that you have figured out how to pickle, uh, what would 10 years ago, Tamika, be the most surprised about? Uh, Eggplant. Pickled eggplant is delicious. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking through my book, actually. Pickled (laughs) eggplant is really good. And also, oh, you guys have the mustard pickle. It's like really popular in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, that. I mean, I figured out how to make that pickle without adding flour, which is like typically added to it, which is kind of gross in my book, but (laughs) it also changes the pH acid balance. Um, So that also, like a real mustard pickle, uh, would really surprise me because it's delicious also. Um, what else would surprise me? No, I think eggplant is the one that would really surprise me <laughs> how good pickled eggplant is. <laughs> That's fun. I, uh, eggplant yeah. is something that I like constantly want to play around with a little bit more. It's such a... It's one of those those ingredients that like I just didn't grow up with as much. Um, and, mm-hmm. and every time that I like try it I'm like okay yeah I like eggplant but like I don't get eggplant you know I haven't I haven't like cracked that in my head yet so I'm kind of playing around with it so you're saying pickling it is nice yeah I like pickled eggplant but you know eggplant has almost like has very very little nutritional value so I I haven't really understood the global appeal of it (laughs) I like it but I haven't like I don't it's it's not like a it's not like a nutritional powerhouse so I'm surprised that it's so widely used you know amongst many cultures because you know cultures tend to go for things that are nutrient dense (laughs) i i feel like it does have a a textural thing that i don't offhand think of any other vegetable having so i wonder if it's popular just for that you know yeah i think okra kind of has that too though so (laughs) that's another one i i have been wanting to try okra forever and finally found some at our grocery store once I googled it and found out what it looks like and uh, bought it and didn't have a plan for it right away and uh, definitely left it in our fridge for too long and now I have to buy more okra. Yeah well you can also pickle okra. You can buy it frozen when it's already usually cut up and frozen so then you can toss it into a gumbo or something that way it's easier to deal with but yeah even Alexa you know my my younger one even Alexa loves okra. She's fried okra loves it <laughs> that's so. what i have been told that fried okra is the way to go <laughs> it's so good oh i like okra anyway i like it always pickled okra is amazing though pickled okra is really good so yeah and then you know there's also like fermentation which is sort of a form of pickling sure yeah but it's done more with salt and creating a brine out of a food's natural juice like a like a cabbage's natural liquid you know cabbage is very wet once right. you put salt on it, it dries out a lot of brine. Or sometimes you just add a salt brine to cucumbers 
And that will also preserve them as long as they stay under the brine. They will continue to ferment for a long time. So you could end up with a batch of super mushy cucumbers. <laughs> but um, yeah, but they're, but you know, that's, that's like the classic New York style dill pickle. Right. Is barrel brine. There's a barrel brine pickle just, you know, thrown in a, in a heavy salt brine. But they, they go through them so quickly that way. You know, so they're not sitting there getting mushy. Right. So you have to, you have to, when you get into canning, I, I, I canning or any kind of food preservation, I recommend to people that they start small. Starting small means starting with a cucumber pickle, I guess. Well, starting with like maybe four jars of something because there's a chance you might not like it. There's a chance you might not be able to give it away. There's a chance you might have too much in your pantry and therefore, you know, like me, stare at your pickles for two years until you finally open the jars and dump them out. <laughs> People tell when they learn to can, they tend to start off really big. Like I'm going to, you know, they want a whole pantry full of canned things and without being necessarily like a rural person and totally committed to eating that way for the entire remainder of the year. Why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we like find a new thing and say oh i'm gonna go all in on this i just got this new cookbook that um probably by the time this episode comes out it will have been released but i got it as like an advanced uh reading kind of copy um and it's uh marcus samuelson i know yeah so so he's got a new book out probably by the time this comes out called the rise that's all about um like black chefs in america and uh Mm -hmm. i was lucky enough to get an advanced copy of it and um i found there were four recipes in there that were all like inspired by slash dedicated to Rodney Scott, who's this big pit master in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge barbecue person and I got excited and I was like, okay, cool. Got this new cookbook, got a bunch of barbecue recipes. I'm going to make all four of these in the same day. And uh, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> I, uh, I yeah. did not have the brain space to do that. Um, so I ended up smoking ribs on the grill for the first time in my life and also making succotash and also making baked beans. And uh, I was supposed to also make hush puppies and I just didn't because I got overwhelmed. And uh, I also screwed up the baked beans and undercooked the ribs. So all in all... <laughs> not a not a successful day and uh yeah it's it's nice to occasionally humble yourself by uh doing too much and and screwing up and remembering that uh you need to take things slow well you know there's there's that's not you know and also just like not even think that you're screwing up you're learning it's a learning process all of it recipes is still a learning process but at least you weren't canning food and then feeding them to other people right yeah exactly and then there's botulism so (laughs) Yeah, that's it. And that can bring us back to acid. Why we need to add acid to vegetables, right? It's the acid that <laughs> specifically. So what what causes botulism actually? Because I, I I know that it's a risk, but I don't actually understand like what it is. So the botulinum toxin actually lives in our soil. So it's in it's in everything. It's everywhere. But in order to activate it, in order to make it unhealthy and really actually really dangerous for us, it needs to be in an anaerobic environment. So in an environment that has no air and low acid. Hmm. So the toxin itself is fine. It's not toxic out in the wild, huh. right? It's, it's just it's the botulinum spores. So it's not toxic out in the wild. But once we put it in an anaerobic, low acid environment, it becomes toxic. Interesting. And it, yeah. And then, you know, that's where Botox comes from. Whoa. Okay. To let people know that huh. right there. 
Botox is botulinum toxin. And so botulism can live in things that are pickled and canned that don't have a high enough level of acidity? Not pickled, just canned. Okay. That's why we pickle low-acid fruits and vegetables. Okay. You add the acid to make them high-acid right? so that the botulinum spores and the botulinum toxin will not live in the canned food. So when you are canning something, you're sealing it in an anaerobic environment. So air can't get in there. And it's awesome because it helps preserve food and color. It's great, right? But if you are allowing a toxin to survive in there or even mold or, you know, if you're allowing that to live in there, then when you feed somebody those canned green beans that you water bath canned in water instead of pressure canning and you didn't add acid to water bath so there's water bath canning and pressure canning with water we're talking about water bath canning okay so if you water bath can green beans but don't add acid to them in other words don't make them into dilly beans um then you are now feeding somebody botulism basically wow yeah and it's always green beans it seems to historically be always green beans that kills people interesting (laughs) (laughs) that is the difference also between water bath canning and pressure canning so if you are going to work with a low acid vegetable like said green beans and you don't want to pickle them you must use a pressure canner to can them not a pressure cooker a pressure canner (laughs) is that its own like kind of machine yes it's a canner it's a pressure canner i say not a pressure cooker because there are people i have seen this that are trying to pressure can in instant pots And there's not enough space with the, in, inside the Instant Pot to actually create the kind of pressure that needs to happen in order to get a jar to seal properly and to safely can the food. So it's a pressure canner. And that is a whole other, we can do a, a whole other topic of that if you want sometimes. And that's probably more for the pros too, right? No, you can pressure can two quart jars of something. Oh. Okay. Say you want to make um, an awesome beef stew, safely follow a recipe for pressure canning beef stew, then you can pressure can it and have two quart jars of fabulous beef stew to open another time. Pressure canning is great and it's simple. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to this world, Tom. But there's so much to the canning world. So we could get back to just pickling, but <laughs> there's so much to the canning world. It's like you can't talk about one thing without touching on all the other aspects of food preservation. No, I get that. I That's something that I've been finding with, you know, we just recently shifted format with the show to be all about food. And uh, even just, you know, in picking topics for episodes, I'm finding myself going, oh, like, how are we only going to spend an hour on this? Like, there's, there's so many things that we can do. And, you know, the solution is that I'm never going to commit to only doing one episode about any given topic, right? If, if I want to revisit something, I'm going to. But I find especially with something like this, where, you know, one, everything that I know about this, I have learned in the past, what has it been about 20 minutes? And two, you know, like you said, there are so many, so many sides to it. There's so much history that we can look into. There's you know, countless recipes, obviously, countless techniques that we could look at. Uh, but obviously, we don't have, you know, hundreds of hours in a row to go over it. So <laughs> with that being said, uh, we are going to, you know, get to the end of the show, we're going to wrap up soon. Uh, I wanted to ask you, what is uh, your favorite thing that you've ever pickled? Or can't, I guess? That's, that is like a loaded question. <laughs> 
I, I honestly don't have one favorite. Fair enough. I think I go through phases. Like right now, we use a lot of uh, pickled jalapenos mm-hmm. here, and we also use kimchi, but I don't can the kimchi. It's fermented. Okay. I, you know, honestly, I don't have a favorite. I love jam. <laughs> <laughs> but still, there's only so much jam you can eat, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, yeah. well, fair enough. I mean, pickled jalapenos and kimchi sounds good to me. Do you ever put them together? Some people do. I'll order like, <laughs> burger with jalapenos. I like that. That's such a diplomatic answer. <laughs> yeah, so no, some people do. I haven't specifically. I'm always surprised like when I haven't eaten kimchi in a long time. It's like, oh, why don't I eat this enough? I guess because I work with it. You know, I mean, I'm working with these foods all the time. Right. And I think that that's also probably part of why I couldn't pick something that's a favorite pickle because, you know, I've kind of done it all. I've done it all. Right. <laughs> Kasindi. Kasindi is my favorite. It's not technically, it's not a pickle, but it's, it's in my cookbook, Pickled to Please. And it's more of a tomato chutney, tomato okay. apple chutney. So Kasindi is really kind of my favorite, my favorite condiment right now. That sounds great. Honestly, tomato apple chutney. I'm into it. I, I forget all the time that chutneys are pickled. Well, and if, I don't know if it's on the Fresh Preserving website, but for Ball, I developed a, a tomato red pepper kasindi. But we we took hundreds of recipes off the website recently, so I'm not sure what's on there. I haven't searched it. Yeah, fair enough. They're doing a big, yeah, they're doing a big cleanup of the website because it's a new company that owns the brand, so okay. they're doing a big up, yeah. Well, I guess after after writing over eighty recipes for them, it it can probably get hard to keep track of what's what's where too, right? No, that's just for that book. I've <laughs> written I've written hundreds of recipes for Ball. Oh wow! I've developed hundreds of recipes for Ball. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. That uh, Cassandra recipe is on page one forty nine of Pickle to Please. There we go. Okay. Well, Tamika, my final question for you on this episode is. If you could give one piece of advice to someone who is starting out making their first their first pickled anything, what would uh, what would that piece of advice be? Apart from the obvious to avoid botulism. Well, no, actually, my first piece of advice would be to find a simple but solid, widely tested and widely available recipe and follow it. There's a reason to follow pickling recipes, and one the main reason is to keep your food safe. Mm-hmm. Right. From botulism. Right. Yeah. So I think that would really be my my major piece of advice would be to find a trusted recipe from a trusted site and follow it. Yeah. Fair enough. So when test recipes are tested, like from the Ball, Care or Bernardine sites, those recipes have gone through what's called process testing. Mm-hmm. So um, with ca- like pressure canning uh, with canning and pressure canning recipes, a, a lab will use a thermal coupling unit and test the temperature of the product inside the jar while it's being canned to know that it's fully safe. And so that's how we determine like the length of time that it takes to can something. So anyway, I just like that's a really important thing to kind of know why people always, you know, why should I follow a recipe? But that's why. <laughs> that's yeah. why when you're learning something <laughs> is because there's actual science behind it. <laughs> You know, and I, I, I'm privileged enough to get to work with the science part of it also to, you know, to work with the people who are actually testing my recipes right. um, in a lab, uh, not just like testing them at home. I have one person who will test them at home and the other person tests them in the lab doing heat penetration. That's, you know, that's why developing recipes for ball is like that. And that's why when I wrote Pickled to Please, I knew that I was 
safe because I'm using a basic brine recipe that I developed to use with ball recipes. Make right. sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's tried and true, and it is guaranteed to not give you botulism if you follow it. Right. So I follow, honestly, Food in Jars. Marissa McClellan of Food in Jars has some fabulous recipes and a whole bunch of books, and her recipes are great and solid and super safe. Like those those of us who are who are not just food bloggers who are really in this in this canning world are really concerned with the safety of the food. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, but there are so many so many things that I've caught food bloggers doing that I have to bring to ball attention. Like like when they're like when they have a canning ambassador make my recipes and I go on their website and I watch what they're doing and I say like their photo of the headspace is wrong. Like there's so many aspects to canning that it's really important to check. So follow a recipe. I will make sure to include links to everything that we mentioned uh, during this episode, including links to the ball website, the Bernardet website. Um, food and jars. Food and, and jars. Food and jars. Um, yeah. was, was her name Melissa? Marissa McClellan, but Food in Jars is the website. Perfect. Yeah, and I'll, uh, so that if anybody wants to, you know, try this stuff, you have a whole lot of resources in the description of this episode that you can do that with. And uh, remember Tamika's words, follow the damn recipe. <laughs> do not, uh, I, I mean, I put that damn in your mouth. That's my, that's my little editorial. Follow the damn recipe. <laughs> Don't give people, including yourself, botulism. It's not a good time. No, it's not a good time. It's really not. I mean, unless you want it injected into your skin, that's a whole other thing. But. Sure, yeah. I, if you want to inject, you know, a, a bad brine into your skin, go for it. <laughs> you just go pay a few hundred bucks. And yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Do you have anything you want to plug before we wrap things up? Social media feeds where people can find you, et cetera, et cetera? Oh, yeah. So my... Uh, my restaurant is Unity Kitchen Maine, as in the state Maine, on Instagram. And I'm on Instagram, Tamika Jemian. I have an email link to my website, which is Tamika Jemian. But I don't really use that website because I'm too busy running this restaurant. Yeah, fair enough. Running a restaurant is a, it's it's busy work. At some point, I'll have to call you back for uh, for an episode about that side of things because uh, that's, I'm sure, a whole nother, uh, whole nother ball game. Oh, yeah. Starting a, pan- starting a restaurant just before a pandemic, that's just... <laughs> Park. Well, Tamika, thank you so much. This is awesome. Thank you so much for listening to Up for Discussion. Do you have a favorite thing to pickle? Do you have a favorite kind of pickle? My personal favorite is uh, actually the like mustard pickles that Tamika mentioned during this episode. There's a, a pretty popular brand here uh, where I live called My, M-A-I-L-L-E, I think, that does you know various kinds of pickles. They're sort of served in a fancy little jar and there's mustard seeds floating in there and uh, it has a cool little like handle that you can use to pull all the pickles up from the jar so that you can pick some that were near the bottom easier when they're near the top. It's brilliant. It's the Domino's Pizza Tracker of pickle jars. I love it so much. That's to say that I find it to be such an innovation in pickle eating technology, I guess. Anyway, uh, if you like this, tell me all about it on Instagram and Twitter at DownWithTalking. Uh, and if you want to help make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash discussion to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Will, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Kate, Erica, and Chantal. All of my patrons get access to the Discord server for the show, uh, the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, and invite to exclusive Zoom dinner parties and so much more. 
Again, that's patreon.com slash up for discussion. We also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at TeePublic. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls and our cover art is by David Flam. You can and should find links to support both of them in the description of this episode. In the description, you will also find links to everything that Tamika mentioned, including her website, her Instagram, and so much more. Last but not least, this show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalat, and I as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at UpfordNetwork.com. See you next week. I hope you understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I'm Tefra Jemian, the producer and host of the Yeah Podcast, a young adult lit review podcast focusing on amplifying the diverse voices in YA literature. Join us as we dig into the world of young adult books, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah Podcast, available through the Upgrade Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that change their lives and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.